morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpscher. Hi, Stacey. Good morning, John. How are you doing today? I am great. You are just back from China. You are the world traveler, just back from China and unpacking your bag to do the laundry so that you could head off to Europe. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I just came back from China on Saturday. I will be heading off in another week to TalentSoft's conference event in Barcelona. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a year of international travel this year. So, but but I will have to say, it's good to be home for a week. You know, you don't know how much you miss home until you're gone for a little while, and then you come home and you're like, oh, it's so nice to be in my own bed and see my own backyard. So, so this week's good. I'm home this week. So, how about you? You're home as well, right? I'm I'm home as well. I am deep in the research for the next report, which means I am consuming demos of intelligent software at an extraordinary rate. I am seeing a lot of companies and talking to a lot of people about how they are deploying intelligent tools in their business, and and it's different than I would have imagined. We'll talk about some of the things that are going on in the list of stuff today. So let's dig in. Well, it's definitely been a busy, I mean, so so we are catching up a little bit since we were on our trip and, and I just got back from Shanghai. So there's a lot that, you know, sort of recovering that's both from this week, but also from previous weeks. But some of the biggest news has to do with, I think, you know, mergers, acquisitions and money. Um, we got a couple of announcements about some of our colleagues moving around in the market. So um, Cornerstone. Cornerstone, which uh, many of the everyone will be at uh, at the same time that I am in Barcelona. Uh, there's the Cornerstone Converges event, which everybody has gone to for years and years, and is a wonderful event. Um, they've just named Heidi Spierge, um as their chief marketing and strategy officer, so it's well worth talking a little bit about her and her background and how that might have an impact on Cornerstone. Uh, we also saw some huge investments in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Fiverr filed to go public. Um, for those who follow Fiverr, they're a freelance marketplace um, and uh, is reporting their revenues of $75.5 million. So that's something to watch and keep an eye on. We saw a merger and acquisition between Shaker International and Montage. Um, I know you followed Montage for quite some time, John. I followed Shaker International since um, the beginning of their sort of uh, startup because um, I was you know, originally in the Cleveland, Ohio market. That's my hometown, and that's where they're from. And so I've been uh, following them actually as a customer many, many years ago. Um, so it's good to see them uh, taking off. We've also got um, Criteria Corporation announcing um, some investments in a huge investment, 60, $56 million strategic investment um, in their SaaS-based employment analytics platforms. So we can talk a little bit about that. Um, there was another $100 million investment in a Singapore um, vendor that I saw while I was there at the conference in Singapore. I don't know if you got a chance to speak with them at all called Desk. Um, they're an HCM application. Uh, and then we also saw a $12 million investment in an application called Hey Jobs for talent acquisition out of Berlin. If we get time, there's also some great conversations happening about what I would call activity or workflow or task management technologies. We're seeing a uh, little LinkedIn uh, a group of uh, professionals who, are, who left LinkedIn starting up, uh, or ex-Microsoft leaders, I would say, starting up a group of uh, technologies called Seek Out in this space. We also saw that ADP launched their Wisely Now and My Wisely app. 
Um, and Mercer and ServiceNow are joining to launch Mobility Management Platform. So lots of interesting stuff going on this week, and I haven't even gotten to the fun stuff that talks about Google's new platforms and revamping of box applications and Citrix launching workspace for Google Cloud. So lots to talk about. Where do you want to start at with, John? Well, I, I think, the, I think the, um, the, the first thing that we should do is fuss over Heidi Spurge for a second. Yeah. Right, because for Cornerstone to bring Heidi Spurge in as chief marketing and strategy officer is is an extraordinary move for Cornerstone and an extraordinary move for Heidi, who is a, a hyper successful. Um, some some would say she's the sort of person who behind the scenes who makes other people successful um, uh, player. Um, and she's she is going to turn some lights on at Quarterstone. And and I think it's about time. I will have to say. I mean, I, I Quarterstone has been you know uh, gone through you know activist investors and I you know rebranding and the IPO and the whole bit. And I think part of through all of that, they've they've lost a little bit of the messaging that that has always been a big part of who Cornerstone was. Cornerstone was one of, I think, in the early days, was clearly. Uh, uh, a big focus for them was a clear, distinct message on who they were, and I think that got lost in the last couple of years. Um, knowing Heidi, noting her background, the work she did with uh, Jason Everbrook with the, the Aperio Group and, and um, Knowledge Infusion and the, and the work she's done in the Marcus Buckingham organization and ADP, I think this is, this is a huge move for Cornerstone. I think this is something they needed. I'm looking forward to seeing what she's going to do with them. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited. There's there's so much interesting capacity at Cornerstone, but but it hasn't really been able to gel into um a sort of a bold, clear, understandable vision for where they're going. And so so that's that's Heidi's specialty. Yeah, um, definitely. It, it'll be great to see her there. And then the next thing, let's talk about Shaker and Montage merging. This is a big yeah. deal. This is so a really big what, deal. What do you know about Montage? Because from my perspective, I, I only know a little bit. They're a video interviewing application, correct? Right? Is it? Yes, Montage. If if I'm not, Montage has a long history, and 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 I have, uh, frankly, discounted them as a player for for years and years, and just over the last. Um, I don't know, maybe 18 months, I've, I've come to understand that Montage has a disciplined view of where they're going. You know, um, Higher View really revolutionized, um, they invented and revolutionized the video interviewing market. Montage was early on, but, but they didn't immediately follow higher views path into uh, aspects of assessment um, by by bolting on to so so they have these complex relationships I spent a long time talking with the head of people science for infor who's mm -hmm. a big montage partner and and there's something interesting going on there that's worth talking about in another conversation. But but what I've come to understand is that Montage is an intellectual um, powerhouse who who are able to pick up the ball and pull things together. And so with Shaker, who who I've been getting to know this year, 
Uh, Shaker is. Would you would you agree with me? Shaker Shaker is the brightest star in the work simulation business. Yeah. That that's how I knew them early days. They, I think that you know if if you're following work simulation and you're following um, any sort of assessment at that level that is um, validated and um, evaluated at a level that you just don't see with a lot of the other technologies that are that are doing this type of work, um, Shaker's top of the line. I um, I have worked with them, I worked with them as a client many, many, many years ago when they were first starting out. Um, and their applications at that point in time were years ahead of where anybody else was from a scientific perspective, right, on how to think about how the the brain works and how people actually make decisions and how they how they perceive environments, right? Um, and then they just added technology and IO psychology and all of the, the things on top of that in a way that you just don't see in a lot of other organizations. And they've been doing it. I would say they're probably the most interesting organization that almost nobody really knows about, you know, in the market because I because they are really under the covers when they're working a lot on this stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So in my conversations with them, what what I've found is that is that this may be the deepest thicket of data scientists in the business, and and I was surprised to discover that. Yeah, I was really surprised to discover that. So what I'm expecting to see is um, um, this combined entity is going to turn into a, a very strong, very disciplined, uh, deep competitor in the recruiting marketplace. Yeah, I would agree. I think they're one to watch. I, I, I specifically reached out to them and said, hey, I want to see where you're at in six months. I think once they figure out the message, it sounds like they're going to keep both headquarters and they're keeping all of their teams, which is a really important component on this, right? Um, right. Because as you noted, they have, I think, a, a wealth of scientists on both sides who are part of this process. Um, and the CEO is going to be Brian Stern um, uh, from Shaker, uh, or uh, from or the the company will be led by Kurt Heikinen, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, from Montage as a CEO, and Brian Stern will be the uh, president, and he's uh, running Shaker International. So they're keeping senior-level roles from both organizations, which we don't often see in mergers and acquisitions. So this is actually really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, the combined company is going to be a powerhouse. I, I hope they can. I hope that they're able to keep the strengths of both companies and find that middle ground that's so powerful. So, so this this is a big one to notice. Yeah, I mean, along the same lines, we did we're, we're seeing an, another big investment in Criteria Corp. So Criteria Corp is an offering that's basically focused on organizational and employment analytics. It's the same sort of assessment-based organization. They're getting an investment from their equity partner. It looks like of about $56 million. So this is a space we're continuing to see, not just through murders, acquisitions, and changes, but a lot of money going into it. And you said you were just talking to the Infor team who's also doing this kind of work. This assessment conversation, particularly when good science is behind it, is really becoming a big part of the conversations we're having with organizations. Yeah, so 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 I think I think I have once again sort of lost track of 
all of the companies who are offering some sort of analytics product. It's a it's a very dynamic um, arena, and I frankly never heard of Criteria Corp. You? Yeah, I um I I knew who they were, um, but I have not spoken with them. Haven't had any briefings with them. Um, they count themselves as leader in web-based pre-employment testing, right? Uh, they, they it's called Criteria's Hire Select. Um, so some people might know that. Um, 3,500 active customers, so not a small organization with uh, 15 million assessments that they offer. A lot of these organizations sometimes are are, are just sort of technologies that push through assessments. I don't know how much of these assessments are theirs versus sort of entities outside that they're basically just providing the platform to access on. Um, so that's something to follow up with with them. I don't know. Um, that's one thing that's interesting about Shaker. Shaker generally has their own assessments. Um, uh, they do have a couple of partnerships and relationships, but you know they develop their own assessment models and assessment tools, particularly in that simulation space. So yeah, I mean, this is a space that's kind of wide in its scope as to what is considered an assessment platform versus just an, ass- an assessment technology versus all the way down to what Shaker is doing, which is, at the, again, the assimilation program, right? Well, so, so like, I got to ad- admit to being um, uh, blindsided by the marketing again. So, so Criteria Corp advertises itself as employment analytics, mm-hmm. but it isn't that, is it? It's an assessment company. It's an assessment company, yeah. It's not. It's not a a Vizier competitor. It's not. No, a, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right, right. So, so this idea that it's an employment analytics company is some sort of marketing bullshit. It, it is, yeah. So, so I and and that's in the in the in the conversation here in the in the in the writing. But if you if you read deep, that's why you know when I talked about the fact that they're getting an investment, it's the assessment that's getting the investment here, not whatever they're calling themselves, right? So, <laughs> so 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 this is this is a big thing. The 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 emergence of assessment as a sort of a universal criteria is um is new and it's and it is powered by machine learning and machine learning allows you to drop the price of assessment down to the place where it's imaginable to assess everybody who sends you a resume um, um do you think that's a good idea well, I, I, this is this is one of the conversations that that I think has been going on in the market for a very long time. Really good assessments should be tailored somewhat for your organization, but there is also a challenge that those assessments need enough data to be valid, and they need to be based off of the job and not off of your assumption of what you would like someone to be like in your organization, right? So, so that there's a lot of EEOC requirements and a lot of validity testing that needs to be done. And so I think a lot of times organizations um, try and use assessments to, to shortcut sort of picking better candidates, but oftentimes what they're doing is just picking better candidates that were good candidates for someone else, right? Because it wasn't tailored for their organization, but they as a mid-market or small organization don't have enough data inside their own company to actually adjust it for their own organization. And so I think that's the ongoing conversation in the market right now, which is, is this only for big companies with, with roles like a, you know, a retail specialist or a, you know, uh, a, a server or a call center rep where you have 
large amounts of employee bases with uh, repeatable job requirements and repeatable job skill requirements, right? Or can you do this for smaller subsets of the market and smaller subsets roles? And that, I think, is a question that's still somewhat being, you know, sort of answered in the market right now. So, so I had I had an interesting experience this this last week, and I, I want to just sort of test your thinking about some stuff. Part of what happens when assessment data gets cheap and widely available is people who come in contact with assessment data are not the same. Uh, it was almost a priesthood of, of folks who handled assessment data in the past because assessments were expensive. And what's in assessment data is very personal information. Um, um, as the volume of assessment data increases, I don't get the sense that the training of people who handle the data is growing at the same pace. Yeah. And so I'm starting to see assessment data that shouldn't be leaking out into the world leak out into the world. Um, you know, so so somebody says, well, I happen to see an assessment of your wife. Do you want to see this? Um, <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. That kind of, that kind of that kind of outrageous nonsense is happening because the people who um are starting to be able to see assessment data are not trained in sort of the the disciplines of HR. Right? And the disciplines of HR is there's a there's a there's a firewall around a whole array of information that you don't share, you don't make transparent because it's easily misunderstood. And and that I think is what you just hit on is is there's an ethical component and a data privacy component there that has to be addressed. But more importantly, and I think we as HR professionals really need to make this well understood is that great. So if we somehow overcome the ethical issues and we and we somehow figure out a way to make this anonymous or whatever, there's still the issue of misunderstanding it, right? There's still the issue of, I mean, I used to be, you know, uh, do back in my organizational development and organizational design days, um, I was trained on all the different, you know, big five assessments and the disk profiles, those type of things. And, you know, there was serious training when you went through those things, again, owned oftentimes by these IO psychologists, but also, you know, the idea of sort of skill assessment versus, you know, personal and profile assessment was always a big conversation with them, but there's huge training that should go along with every one of those about understanding the impact that this information will have on a person's life and how you should read it as a suggested way to sort of think about feedback, not as a decision-making tool, right? Um, And we're doing more and more, we're leaning into the idea of decision-making tools, right, as part of uh, these tool sets, and and that's where it gets a bit scary if you, if you haven't really thought about them. Well, and so so I wonder, you probably have a more explicit grasp of this next question, which is, which is, how real is the relationship between assessment data and job performance? Right, I I, I get the feeling that. 
that it can be powerful, but it isn't necessarily powerful. And, and the degree to which it can be powerful is a very specific per-job alignment between um, a modified version of an assessment instrument and a specific set of criteria. But I'm, I'm flummoxed by the idea that there is um, generically a right personality type, fundamentally, for um, a specific job. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good question. It's, it's the question I think that we've been asking for years in this space. The one thing that I will tell you is that, you know, the, the regulations around this um, tie to validity testing, and this is where the science and the IO psychology specialization really comes in place. And if you really want to understand, you want to know how often these tests have gone to court. If they've never been... The validity testing is all about ensuring that they are to a specific job role and that you are not testing for your assumptions of what's important, but what can be proven in court to be important to that job role, right? Um, and personality tests are the least likely and the most concerning areas and in most cases are not something that you can tie to a job role, which is why many organizations stay away from them, Ticker being one of them as far as those are meant to be communication tools, feedback tools, but they often get rolled into also job selection decisions and they shouldn't be, right? So I think there's a, a, a wide swath between sort of what legally can be done what people are doing, even though they and they don't understand, they might even be breaking the laws on what they're doing, right? Um, in your question, right? Well, so that's that's one of the things that I'm seeing. You know, you know, with intelligent tools, you can only judge the effectiveness of an intelligent tool based on outcome, mm -hmm. and most of the regulation, as I understand it, is process oriented. Um, and so you get these great claims from the assessment companies about how their outcomes are are correct, but and and so they therefore meet the regulations. But the truth is, the regulations want to have observable um, understanding points throughout the process, and and uh, intelligent tools can't provide that. Well, and that that that's you know you know I, I had a great conversation with the with Athena Carp recently from Hired Score, and that was one of the conversations we had about the idea of open algorithms and how much can you see inside these sort of decision making matrices, right? Um, you know, her view was that the, it, it's a lot more um, transparent, or should be able to be a lot more transparent if you're doing it right. I don't know that we would say that that's the case when we talk to most artificial intelligence organizations, correct? Well, yeah. Uh, uh, so, so Athena is one of the shining stars of the next generation of HR tech. Um, but, but the idea that you can write an algorithm in a way that um, um, makes trillions of calculations on the way to an answer uh, transparent—that's that's. that's I think optimistic. I think I think I think we've got a technology that inherently has black boxes in it, and we don't really know what to do with it. 
And when those black boxes are assessing human beings and not just even assessing historical data, right? Then right. you, you have a whole different level to this. This is this is this has always been a bit of the challenge with the assessment market, right? You know, the, the, what we've seen is swings. People, you know, it gets really hot and exciting, and people will buy into them, and then somebody gets sued or something. We, we realize there's some sort of bias built into it or some other issue that that's in that data, and then sort of everyone sort of moves away from them a little bit, and then it comes back up again. So the definitely cycle to sort of how the market takes in assessments, but I think. Assessment with artificial intelligence, with better analytics, is a space people are really banking on right now as a as a next step or a next conversation, right? Yeah. So we've just got five minutes left. Which one of the which one of the other uh, gems do you want to uh, <laughs> zoom in on? Well, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'd like to touch on this Mercer and ServerNow, ServiceNow um, launch of mobility management platform. I don't think this is anything terribly brand new. It's, it's more, I think, Mercer taking their mobility service offerings, right, and marrying oh. that with the ServiceNow platform. Um, so ServiceNow is the help desk and case management and portal technology, right, that we've been talking about for a, for a long time. But part of the reason I think that this is important um, is, is how this ties to actually quite a few other topics that maybe we'll talk about next week, which is the ownership of HR around this communication and workflow space, right? So mobility management, um, uh, the other uh, application that, that comes to mind that does this this well is Topia, and we've heard us talk about Topia quite often. Um, they call themselves a, a, a global mobility management um, application, right? Um, but mobility management is all about communications, analytics about sort of what's the best direction to go with mobility and workflows. These sort of mixture of tool sets is not something that has traditionally been, uh, you know, it's always been in the back office of the HR applications. It's been sort of viewed as um, something we would use with our core HRMS, but not something that, that, that we have to create a whole platform around. And we're seeing more and more of these applications coming out as platforms for this kind of work. Um, there we also had um, a couple of applications here, like Box revamping their workplace automation tool, Relay, which is a task management and workflow technology. What do you think about this idea of HR owning the workflow and the tasks and the transition of employees around the organization, John? Well, HR's always had a piece of that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, um, and. and Traditionally, the um, the department that moves the people has had um, responsibility for you know expensing and um, application of policy. But HR HR is where the answer to the question, "How much are you going to help me buy my next house?" happens, yeah. right? And so and so so. So it's an interesting idea to consolidate that all under HR. I I get itchy calling this mobility, mm-hmm. right? Because you know I, I spent a chunk of time in a wheelchair in the last five years, and and that was mobility. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, um, relocation I believe is the term that 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 they're trying to avoid using. Yes. 
Right, right. Mobility really is some sort of MBA code for relocation. And <laughs> it is, yes, I would say that I agree. But relocation is considered an older term, right? The idea here is talent mobility as well as personal human being mobility, right? Yeah, except all of these people can walk easily. <laughs> <laughs> Got right? it, yes. <laughs> and, 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 and they're not looking for promotions as in internal mobility, right? Yeah. So th- this is one of those places where, where the, the industry's failure to have some um, success with differentiation and ideas, calling everything the same thing seems to be um, a part and parcel of marketing and HR tech. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, what what I learned what I learned from Topia is is that there's a lot of undisciplined budget floating around, and if you consolidate management of all of the things that that uh, people spend money on in relocation, there's a there's a sizable budget that can be disciplined and turned into a productivity tool rather than a throw money around tool. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so that's an interesting true. idea. And and for Mercer to go, oh right, we have to compete with Topia, which is what this is. Um mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting um tell about whether or not there's a market here. Because up to this point, it's always been a services market, and Topia was the first one to make it a technology conversation. We're seeing this happen in the benefit space, too, where up to this most point, it's been a package and services conversation. And organizations like Thompson's International, who Mercer bought, changed that conversation to be a lot more about technology, at least internationally. And we're seeing it in other places with benefit focus and those guys who are focusing on the technology versus the the um, service offerings. When oh, in the mid market. In, in the mid market, what's interesting there is in the mid market, it's often the case that benefit providers throw HR technology into the deal um, and become primary providers of HR technology because it suits them um, for the cash flow associated with the actual benefit sale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's it's sort of interesting. I didn't put it in the in the list of of topics today, but people strategy, exactly. You know, they launched the basically additions to their already existing sort of HCM application and benefits application um, product. But in their explanation of what they were doing, they were very clear. It's the first time I've seen an organization do this. Say exactly what you just said. Basically, due to what we can do with our benefits applications, we can throw in this technology as part of the conversation. Um, and so it was it was really interesting to see an organization sort of call that out as basically saying our benefits application and our benefits you know packages are basically paying in some sense for this technology improvement. So that was interesting. So I think you're right. Yeah, then that's definitely SMB and, and mid-market. Yeah. Yep. So great. Great. Welcome back. Um, yeah. We didn't even get a chance to talk about all of your wonderful adventures in Shanghai. Um, um, it was good. That, that I will say it was good. It was interesting. There are uh, – my sense would be that, that HR technology organizations should be watching the Shanghai market, the China market. They are growing rapidly. But there are a lot of differences culturally, and that's going to have an impact in, in you know, how organizations think about HR technology. So. 
Cool. Well, thanks for doing this again, Stacey. Another great show under our belts. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. And we will see you back here same time next week. Bye-bye now. Thank you.